and welcome to Gunfighter Cast. I'm your host, Daniel Shaw. With me today, from Utah, live, is Stan Cottom of the Gun Dudes. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, welcome to the Fort Knox Studios, Okinawa. Uh, they're not my sponsor. Those are yours. I'm not going to say oh, you can't burn this like, like Tom does. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, no, hey, it's good to talk to you, Daniel. How, yeah. how are things going? Doing good, Stan. Good to talk to you, too. Things are doing a third eye no, no, and the, the the birds stopped dropping out of the sky, so we're happy about that. I think things are moving okay. along in the right direction, and uh, I don't so zombies or so, something like that. Well, uh, so what do we do? Uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, uh, you got some plans next week. Uh, we got Mag Forty coming up. I've got a new pistol, and what I'm going to do to the pistol, I guess, and. I'm going to shoot Mag 40 with you guys. But first, I guess we should talk about uh, the interview that I got coming up with Desert Tactical. Uh, if you guys have been to deserttactical.com, you will see a variety of, for lack of a better word, awesome yeah. long guns on there. Yeah. Uh, bullpup design to shorten the barrels, uh, really nice stuff. Uh, they will probably yeah. do a much better job of explaining them, so me and Stan are not going to go into that. But I'm going to talk to Mike <laughs> from uh, Desert Tactical next week. And you guys Absolutely. will hear that. So uh, yeah. we don't want to ruin anything. Say long, you say long and short guns. Yes, uh, well, short guns that act as though they were long guns. Exactly. Now, you were talking about the, uh, let's see, which one was it? Was the... Uh, the SRS oh, covert. SRS, yes, exactly. Uh, Mike took us out to the range, uh, the, uh, the the range up there in Salt Lake, and... Uh, he brought a 338 Lapua barrel and that 308, and the, the, the 308 was very short. Uh, the overall size of the gun was uh, about the size of an M4, uh, believe it or not. And uh, it, it, uh, it, uh, for a bullpup design, the, the, the trigger linkage on that, believe it or not, is just it, it's really a good trigger. I think you'll be surprised when you shoot it. But he let us shoot that. Travis and I shot it, and... Uh, Travis beat me, much to my chagrin. He he had a tighter group. We both shot the 308, uh, 5-round group, and then uh, we changed that barrel out right there on the bench. Uh, you unlock one. Uh, you uh, there, There's a, uh, I'm sorry, it's a torque, uh, a torque screw that torques the, the thing down. You unlock that, and then there are four or five locking screws. You undo those, pull the barrel out, pull your bolt out, Put in the 338 Lapua bolt, the barrel, uh, lock it back down, and then torque it, and uh, put in the the, uh, the 338 magazine, and you're good to go. And I did it in just a little over a minute. Mike did it uh, in their office in less than a minute. Uh, point of impact was different, but the grouping was just about the same. And I, I think I beat Travis with the 338 Lapua. I had a little more beef behind me to absorb the recoil. But, right. Uh, it, it, and it didn't, didn't really kick that bad. It has a really good muzzle brake on it. Um, so, and, and as Mike, Mike will tell you, you know, if 338 Lapua usually don't need for a guy, for a man. Uh, in a police situation, maybe around 100 yards. But if the situation evolved and all of a sudden you're shooting out to 800 yards, uh, that 338 uh, just shoots like a dream. It's flat. It's got a lot of, lot of energy. And if you needed to, you could swap out. Now, you need to swap them out. I don't know, but uh, the gun comes, you know, in a in a drag bag. You know, and you've got that extra barrel bolt and, and magazine. 
if you've got the ammo, you've got two guns with you, and it's not hard to carry at all. You know, uh, you could single point the uh, SRS, the, the short barrel, that three oh eight. Yeah, briefly when I was setting up this interview with him, I don't want to steal the next show, but he was talking about taking that covert, the really short one with a sixteen inch barrel that is basically mm-hmm. a, as long as a uh, MP five November. Yeah, with it the is. Telescope yeah, stock. Yeah, that's actually sh- shorter than an M M four, isn't it? Yeah, uh, submachine gun length, you know, and uh, he was talking about he was starting to start using it for three gun and doing some other stuff with it and put some of those sights that, that are kind of on an angle where you just kind of catch your weapon. And, uh, the red dot, yeah, stick on uh, the side. No, he was talking about iron sights. Like, you know, have you, oh, seen, have you seen some of the videos with the irons that are, uh, you've got your scope sitting on top of your red dot EOTech, whatever you're running, and then on the side at an angle, they come out at an angle, so you actually turn your weapon on an angle. And uh, uh-huh. and shoot there. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But uh, I haven't used it. And some people say they love it. Some people say they hate it. You know, it depends on who you run into. But that little uh, uh-huh. SRS covert. I mean, you could go from with the, with a quick release mount or something on that thing. You could drop off your long range optic and throw on like an EOTech or, or something, and uh-huh. go right in a building and use that as you know a close quarter rifle, a battle rifle or something, just right away. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's Absolutely. so small. It's a uh, pretty impressive man. It's a uh, I. I'm I'm excited about talking to him, and you're actually going to go out there, right, and uh, shoot some guns again. You know, I've been passing the you know email back and forth. Uh, they they have a range. Uh, Desert Tactical also has a range. It's called uh, Sniper Country. It's up near Tremonton, Utah. And uh, yeah, I've been uh, on Mike uh, on back and forth texting Mike just this last week. Uh, I'm going to try and set something if I can work it into my schedule. I got some stuff going going up. I told you about. about some stuff going on that might interfere, but uh, if I can, yeah, I'd like to go up to Sniper Country with him, and uh, I think it's known yardage, uh, known, yeah, known distance range. Uh, they've got targets spaced out up to about 1,400 yards. Uh, maybe even further be wrong. It's been a while. You know, I don't remember everything. I forget what I had for breakfast a minute ago, but uh, it, it's a fantastic range, too. It just, it, from what I've seen on the Internet, you can look at it uh, online. Uh, they, they train uh, some military people. Uh, it's it's a relatively relatively new facility, and so yeah, uh, I'm hoping to get up to see that. Um, now, on, on your last gun dudes range, you guys went to a competition, a long range competition. Was there anybody shooting any desert tactical guns out there? Didn't see a desert tactical. Um, That's too bad. In fact, I've seen very very few of them. Um, they, they do sell to the civilian market, the military, and police markets. Uh, I think I think Dave is over the military market. From what I understand, it's still in the uh, SOCOM competition. Have, have you heard that? We've been talking uh, to, to, Dave, uh, to Mike about that. Well, I was reading some news recently, and uh, a guy took second in some U.K. sniper competition, some, some big competition with a lot of European uh, agencies out there, and uh, he used that SRS covert, the small 16-inch barrel, and wow. he was you know, money uh, out to 800 and sometimes a little bit past. And he ended up taking second in the entire competition, going against uh, guns with exotic calibers and uh, all kinds of different He was just running 308, going with uh, sure. a lot of exotic calibers and some guns that were a lot longer than his, you know. And it's, yeah. uh, he said he never really felt outgunned and it took second. I guess he proved it, you know. So, so yeah, exactly. Well, how did you hook up with Mike? Did you just give him a call or? Just called him. That was it. Uh, well, cool. I've, been, I've been kicking around their websites for a while because basically you know, I, I'm kicking around the idea of taking my 30000 next year because I hit five, wow. 15 years, and uh, I can get less retirement. I plan on making money after I retire, 
So I'm not so worried about losing that. I'd rather have $30,000 right now to buy things I want and need. So it's kind of kicking that around. I haven't really decided yet. But if I get that money, I'm going to build that long gun that I want. So uh, I'm thinking about I was on I was on the Springfield Armory page. I was looking at operators to replace the one I sold a while back. I was looking at uh, some SIGs. Oh, man, that, that, that SIG, tactical operations, I, I want one. And uh, I was looking at long guns, trying to play around. Should I build an M14? You know, I really like the M14 platform. I really like the uh, Sage uh, Sage International stocks. I like the uh, stuff from Fulton Armory. I've been uh, I like a lot of stuff for the M14. I have a lot of data on the M14 with the Leopold Mark IV and the uh, Schmidt Bender. And uh, it's kind of really leaning toward the M14, but then I keep going back to Desert Tactical and uh, mm. and looking at those guns and so. I ended up calling them saying, asking, you know what, i got a lot of questions for you, but I don't want to ask you right now. I want to ask you when I'm recording, you know, on my <laughs> podcast. And he was like, yeah, that's cool. We can do that. So Awesome. Yeah. Mike's a great guy. He'll uh, he'll help you out there. I I was just looking at M1As uh, yesterday, too, at that. Uh, yep, same thing. Shop. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm just thinking, hmm, we have to check on a layaway plan. I'd love to get one of those just, just to have it. I've shot one before with uh, – a nice scope on it. I forget what the scope was, and uh, it was money uh, up to 100 yards, 20 rounds, you know, pretty much as fast as you could pull the trigger. So, Yeah, um, when, I, when I went to DM school, designated marksman, they, uh, uh-huh. they had the M14. We used the DMR at the time. It wasn't. Now we use the uh, the EMR, the enhanced marksmanship rifle or whatever. But uh, it's mm-hmm. got the Sage International stock on it, and uh, was it a Spit and Bender scope? I want to say Spit and Bender. But, uh, the, the guns we used was Leopold Mark IV with the tactical milling reticle, mm-hmm. you know, just a, an M14 with the McMillan stock, and uh, that was pretty much it. And just solid, 800 yards, you know, 500 yards, whatever. You're you're just you're drilling them with no trouble, and uh, yeah. I was really impressed with it. And I was like, you know what, I want one of these, and yeah. not having to take your eye out of the scope. That's yeah. one thing that I really want in a gun. I can't exactly do that. Uh, you can to an extent, but not the you know not like with a bolt gun where you get to manipulate the bolt and take your eye out of the scope. There's just there's a difference in having to manipulate a bolt and just keeping your hand and everything the same. Every shot yeah. could possibly be more consistent, and you yeah. also you know you can uh, acquire and engage multiple targets faster uh, that are at different yeah. distances and different uh, areas in your. Well, now you you mentioned the uh, the loophole and the Schmidt Bender. Um, the uh, you heard of the Vortex PST. PST, the Vortex. No, I, I. Yeah, I really don't know much about scopes or anything. I know what friends of mine tell me that I really trust, stay away from, and go to and stuff. But I, uh-huh. I really don't know that much about them. You've heard of Vortex, though, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Dan, last Saturday at the uh, at that practical tactical shoot, uh, they were mostly uh, night forces uh, loopholes, and uh, there was a, a couple. There were a couple of guys with the Vortex PST, and it's not the mill dot; it's the the mill mill uh, reticle, uh, first focal plane. And for eight nine hundred bucks, uh, I looked at one yesterday at uh, Sportsman's Warehouse, and uh, I, I was really impressed. Those guys down there were saying, you know, for the money, nine hundred bucks versus you know. Uh, fourteen to twenty two hundred uh, for those other scopes. Uh, they say for the money, that's a really good one to get. It's got a lifetime warranty. I'd like to shoot one and, and compare it. Like I say, I don't know enough about them uh, yet to say which one is the best. But 
my uh, my pocketbook says the, the Vortex at nine hundred bucks sounds like the best one. Yeah, <laughs> and if that works for you, then yeah, that's going to be fine. You know, it's a. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of people that I talk to, what they run into is the longevity of the optic. Mm-hmm. You know, you, uh-huh. a lot of these these guns, you know, you might have a scope that really stays on target, holds zero, uh, nothing goes crazy. You know, doesn't. Uh, the parallax doesn't get screwed up or anything, uh, and then you know after a couple of years, it's gone. You know, it just it's broke. Like everything's falling apart. Everything's having trouble. This is happening. Such and such is happening. Everything else, and uh, you know that some people have you know an optic that they didn't pay much money for that just seems to last forever and works perfect for them. You know, it's hmm. well, and Leupold, you know, definitely has that. They've been around forever, and uh, I. I most of the people that I saw were shooting loopholes, but uh, Night Force is, uh, you know, relatively new to the game, I guess, or um, there were a lot of those, too. But, you know, I hadn't even thought of that. I just heard that Lifetime Warranty is like, oh, good, 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 but uh, I guess it would only be as good as the, the company that backs it. So, yeah. Anyway, well, that, so that would be uh, be a good one to put on, too. Um, now, you've talked about the 338 Lapua. I don't... Uh, I don't know. I'm not real up on that, but I'll tell you what, that was a, a cool uh, round to shoot, but it was expensive. We talked about how expensive they were. Uh, I, I, I looked at a box yesterday, retail $114 a round. And you know what? I didn't know they were that expensive, and that explains a lot, because me and uh, uh, Dave Nunez that was on Gunfire Cast, we talked about camouflage. He is a uh-huh. huge fan of the 338 Lapua. I am, too. And I read about the 338 Lapua all the time, and I wonder why the Marine Corps and a lot of other armed services in the U.S. aren't using 338 Lapua as much. And the Marine Corps sniper community has basically cried with a loud voice saying, please give us something between 308 and 50 cal. We want the 338 Lapua. And this has been a NATO round since the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. A lot of European countries use it, and uh, that British soldier dropped that guy at like a crazy distance in Afghanistan or killed a couple of guys. Yeah. You know, it's this this round is awesome, but man, is it expensive. And I was yeah, thinking you know, about, I, when I decided to walk back, I was thinking before I wanted just an 800-yard gun. I want to be able to hit man's uh-huh. targets at 800 yards. That's all I want. But then I started reading yeah. this 338 Lapua all the time. I was like, man, I'm getting that 338 Lapua, and there's just no question about it because I will drive nails at 800 yards and yeah. maybe even drive nails <laughs> at 2,000 yards. So yeah. I'm getting the 338 Lapua. And then I started looking at some other stuff, prices and everything else, and then you come on here and tell me that. I'm, you know what? That just sealed it for me. I'm definitely staying with a 308. I will not yeah, pay yeah. that amount of money. Yeah, well, let me uh, qualify that. I don't know what it was. It could have been... Uh a little more expensive if it was uh, hunting ammo. It, it may not have just been uh, full metal jackets. It might have been, uh, you know, some A-Maxes or or, or, uh, or something like that. I don't know. No, no. And I, I've never priced it, so I don't know if that's completely out of the ballpark. Our listeners could let us know if they, somebody knows more about 338 Lapua on that. But um, I do know it shoots well. And, uh, you know, if you, if you reloaded it, uh, you could you could probably cut half that off at least. Um, I in fact, that seems so. It would only cost you five dollars a round instead of ten dollars a round, <laughs> or twenty. Uh, but you know, I again, I think you can loan fifty for less than that. Uh, just buying the components, it, it seemed out of whack for me. But that's what it said, and, and that's what he was selling it for. So, well, yeah, that's, that's the cool thing about Desert Tactical. Like, if I buy my three hundred eight gun that I want, and then I win the lottery, I'll just keep my, <laughs> I'll just keep my same gun. 
and just buy the three three eight Lapua conversion barrel for mine. And barrel just in, a, in one minute, then I could be shooting three three eight Lapua, and I'll go out and buy a few boxes of. And I'll, if I win the lottery, I'll even buy you a few boxes, Stan. Don't worry about it. Yeah, there you go. Yep. There you go. Nothing wrong with that. Sort of a finder's fee. Yep. Uh, something like that. Um, well, uh, you say you had mentioned you got a new gun. Um, you were telling me just a little bit about that earlier. Yeah, I got a new gun. It's getting ready to be sent. I've been wanting this gun for a while. It's getting ready to be sent off to Joseph Chetwood at Crusader Weaponry. Uh, you guys might remember Joe being on an earlier episode and then uh, George Hill representing now, Crusader, uh, Crusader uh, Training. What's that, Stan? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, isn't uh, Hill, uh, what's his name? Isn't he with Crusader as well? Yeah, he does. Uh, George uh, Hill, he does Crusader training. George, yeah. Yep. Yeah. He also does uh, the Matt Ogre blog and uh, a lot of stuff. He's just published, got a new book published. Uh, it hasn't been released yet. I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying this, but I'm in the middle of reading it. He's given it to me to let me read it, uh, to write him an endorsement. And let me tell you, it blew my mind when I got this email. Of There was like five names on this email that it oh. went to. I was on the list, and he wanted us to write an endorsement for it, to read it, write an endorsement for it. And I didn't. I, I didn't get a book to, to do an endorsement, Daniel. What? what yeah. What's going on? But uh, uh, I don't. He know. must not have my, my email. He must not. But the names that were on this email, I was like, why is why is he emailing me this? Why would he? Who are do the this? other four? Can you tell us? No, I won't tell you right now. They may not want to see it or something. But uh, you would you know all the names. Uh, but gotcha. I, I, I tell you, I was. Uh, Man, how did I make this list? You know, but it's—I tell you, whenever he's going to come on the show after it gets published or completely like where you can buy it and, uh, and talk a little bit about it. But so far, I'm going to tell you that it's—I like it. I read at least 80 pages today, mm-hmm. and I just started this morning on it. And then I went out with the kids and stuff, and we did some stuff all day. And, and whenever I'm probably done with this, I'll probably go back to reading it again. But uh, it's—if you're a gun guy and you know guns mm-hmm. and you enjoy guns. There's a lot of special treats in there for you that the average person that may love zombie stuff doesn't quite know guns very much. They just won't get it. But you gun guys, <laughs> there's a lot of treats in there for you. It's awesome. uh, it's a fun book. It, it really is. I've, I've enjoyed it thus far. And uh, but I'll, well, I'll let he, George go on. Now, about it. What's has that? he uh, has he mentioned the gun dudes in the end? No, but I've been waiting for the gun dudes to be in it. I have. I've been waiting for it, and I, I don't want to give any spoilers to because he, he signed a contract for three for a three book series. I see. And uh, this is just his first book, and I, I don't want to give any spoilers, but there may be somebody you know in a later book. And uh, I gotcha. Yeah, I, gotcha. I, 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 maybe the gun do show up. I hope so. I mean, you guys are in Utah, and we we had a listener tell us that we were uh, written into his book somehow, somewhere. So written into his surprise. or George's book. Yeah, not in not in Georgia. So, oh. uh, a different listener. I don't know. I can't remember who it was, but uh, yeah. Oh yeah, we're that's cool. We're definitely in a, in a book somewhere. Sweet. I, I'm in one book. My uh, the guy after my platoon commander got relieved in Iraq and OF one, a gunnery sergeant took over. This guy was crazy, like out of his mind. Like I, I could tell you stories all day, but love the guy to death. But he uh, he wrote a book with basically his journal from Iraq and OF one. It's called I Am My Brother's Keeper. And uh, uh-huh. by by Jason Duran, and uh, my name's in that a couple times. Uh, cool, cool. Yep, he's uh, right on. buy that one. It's great. Give Jason money. Awesome guy. His uh, his biggest cool. aspiration was, yeah, I'm gonna retire. I got nothing else to do. I think I'm gonna go back and be a bouncer at a bar. And he's a, <laughs> he's a biker guy. Just 
one of those individuals, man. You, you never run anybody else like him. Just a great guy. Nothing wrong with that. No, that no. that's all you want well, to you, do. You were talking about your uh, your pistol. Yep, I no pistol. somehow got a soft track. That's how you got to do Stuart, man. You guys got a soft track. You can never stay on topic. You're worse than me. Uh, uh, it's a nasty habit. Yeah, I got a. Uh, I got the the expensive Beretta. I've been paying on it for a little while now. The yeah. Beretta ninety two. FS Type M9 A1. Oh gosh! Yeah, and Tommy is going to be so jealous. You, you know he's going to have one before. Actually, <laughs> is he? <laughs> well, he was talking. I get, he was talking I'll, about. I'll bet you soda. <laughs> a soda. Okay, I'll take you up on that. I drink Coca Cola. He was talking about when I was on there with those guys talking, or you guys talking about uh, a 90-2, and I just, I just can't get into that 90-2. I've never touched one, but it just looks mm-hmm. funny to me. And the cover for the rail is kind of, I don't know. I, it may be awesome, but I, I don't know. But that, uh, that M9A1, man, it's, uh, it's a sweet gun. Um, I haven't purchased them yet. It's the next thing I'm going to buy is, uh, the Miltac grips. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I bought a, uh, a new hammer for it. And, uh, a listener has, has mailed me a, a D spring that makes the double action a little bit, uh, more smooth, a little bit lighter. I'm sending all that. The gun and everything, and 200 rounds to Joseph Chetwood at Crusader Weaponry. He's going to bust 200 caps for me to get the gun a little bit broken in. I know he. I had it was hard twisting his arm talking him into that uh, to, to shooting 200 rounds of my ammo through that gun. That guy must be a saint. Yeah, I, I, I ended up talking him into it. It was tough. And then uh, he's going to run uh, the slipstream permanent treatment that he did do the slipstream weapon lube that they have. Uh, he's going to run the gotcha. permanent slipstream treatment on the gun, and then I'm having him, you know, install all the parts that I'm sending him, of course, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if he can, he's going to try to give me a little bit better of a magwell. And it's already got a pretty decent magwell, but, I, you know, I like a nice big magwell, nice funnel down there. And uh, and who who doesn't? Uh, yeah, exactly. And then we're going to go with Duracoat, uh, the World War II olive drab on the, oh, nice. on the receiver. Yep. Nice. And uh, that's it. So let's be honest, Daniel. <clears throat> your your wife told you, you you couldn't use her gun, and so you have to buy your own. No, right? I'm, I'm still. I will probably still send you the Glock just in case that Beretta that I've never shot goes down. That'll, that'll, <laughs> that Glock will probably be there too. Just, uh, okay, that's. I, I know how it is. We don't have to. You don't have to say. I know. Uh, <laughs> okay, she, I'll, I'll she's play you a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not shooting that. You're going to go to, you know, the Mac 40, like I told you before, it's on our wedding anniversary. She's like, oh, yeah, you're going to wedding anniversary? Well, you're not shooting my gun. Take that. <laughs> That's how it went down. You know what? Yeah. And I feel terrible about that. I wish we could, you're I wish we could get her problem. out here, too. I wish we could, too. Yeah, maybe next year. Maybe we'll be in the States or something, you know? It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we, it's all right. We're, we're completely accustomed to doing things out of order. You know, like there's a birthday. Yeah. A birthday right before a payday, and we're broke. So we wait till after the payday to do the birthday thing. You know, it's uh, uh we got something uh that we do together like Valentine's Day. Okay, I'm in Thailand. Okay, that's not gonna happen. We'll do it when I get back. So it's just nothing out of the ordinary. This happens all the time. It's always something, but it's usually something that I I have a choice with. Uh, but this, I saw this as not really having a choice either. And she was like, Yeah, you go do this. Whatever's fine. You know, we'll just we'll do our thing for our anniversary when you get back. Yeah, and you know, I'd probably bring her back something, 
incredibly nice. Like <laughs> first day, you know, I got her Movado watch. You know, it's uh, she she stays happy. She she gets what she needs. Well, hey, you know, I'm sitting here looking at the computer while I talk to you, and uh, just saw a picture of you with a pack of camels and a camel in the back of a Toyota here. Oh yeah. Uh, if, if if your listeners want to learn a little bit about Daniel Shaw, go to Facebook and uh, look at these pictures. These are some old old pictures, dude. Uh, that was in 2003. That was in OF1 when we first went in there. That was like that was probably the end of March, early April, 2003. Uh-huh. Like right when we uh, first busted <laughs> across there and took Baghdad and all that. Uh-huh. Actually, when that picture was taken, I don't think we had Baghdad. We were in there yet. That was. Were you going into Baghdad, actual uh, proper Daniel? No, I didn't. Uh, at that time in OF1, I didn't go into Baghdad. Um, we took uh, the city of uh, An-Nazaria to open up supply lines for forces to push forward to Baghdad. Um, gotcha. Nazaria was a was a pretty big fight. You might remember Jessica Lynch. And uh, yep. you know, we, we got the huge fight there on the 23rd of March, 2003. And that kind of lasted for a couple of weeks. Basically, people dropped ordnance all over that place. Anybody who had ordnance left on their airplane or whatever was like, oh, let's go by Nazaria. Drop bombs on it or whatever. It was... Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it was good. A lot of bad guys in there needed to die. It was good. And uh, we ended up just bouncing around. You know, we, we we fought pretty good for a couple of weeks. You know, had a couple of things happen here and there. But for the most part, after that initial thing, we just basically drove around and uh, in an AAV for 12 hours, got out and dug a hole, got mm-hmm. up, rode about 12 hours in an AAV, got out, dug a hole. And uh, that's kind of what we did for a long time. But in the meantime, while we were not digging holes, we were going out on vehicle checkpoints and searching vehicles and seeing who was moving around and that kind of thing. And that picture was taken at a checkpoint. I was uh, sitting down, taking a break, while uh, somebody else's turn was up for searching vehicles and yelling at people to stop or I'll shoot you. Mm -hmm. And I heard the crazy noise that I'd never heard before. I was like, what is that? Sounds like somebody's dying and giving birth at the same time. And I look back and there's a camel, like, just screaming. The most disgusting sounding and smelling creature I've ever seen in my life. I was like, I got to get a picture. And I had a pack of camel cigarettes in my pocket, so I was like, let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great picture, I tell you. Uh, Anyway, not to detract from that, but uh, now... You've got the, the cert pistol. Have you been uh, practicing with that a lot? Well, I had to give that back a couple weeks ago. Oh, you did. That's yeah, right. They didn't let me keep it. Yeah. I'm still mad about that. Yeah, you took the, the green out, and it's 100 bucks cheaper. And uh, so now we all have a, a cert pistol to practice with. That's cool. I like it. You heard my review about it, didn't you? I did. I did kind yeah. of talk about it a couple of times, yeah, but uh, and me and Aubrey talked about it. I liked it, man. It was, it was, it was a fun little piece of gear. I wish I, could, I wish I had one. Long yeah. distributors, feel free to send Daniel Shaw a cert pistol. I don't care there what color go. lasers it has. Exactly. It, it could even be yeah. a mono laser. I don't even need the dual <laughs> laser. Exactly. Well, you know, it, it is kind of neat when you're drawn to have that laser indicating when you're on the trigger. But by and large, most most of us didn't worry so much about that as just seeing where the laser hit and watching, you know, how uh, how steady you were with that laser once it did shoot. Yeah, so, yep. Yeah, I, well, uh, I really want one mostly. So, like, whenever I go teach classes, I use it as a laser pointer. <laughs> I, I think that'll be just awesome. Now, did you use it as a laser pointer? Did you get the opportunity to, no, to train I, with it? I, I didn't have the opportunity to use it as a laser pointer. 
because uh, that would have been really cool, I, I'm sure. And if you look at slide A right here, everybody would go, ooh. I got <laughs> Nobody's paying attention to anything I'm teaching them. They're just focusing on the gun that's in my hand that's shooting a laser out. Yeah, <laughs> the laser gun, I guess. You know, there's an idea for us right there, Daniel. Laser pointer guns. We could make somebody, some, somebody ought to market that. Note to self. <laughs> Do it. They got they got gun lighters, gun laser pointers. Gun lighters, lighters like cigarette lighters. Oh, lighters! Pull the cigarette <laughs> yeah. and the flame comes out. Sure, absolutely. People have been shot yeah. because of that. Oh yeah, that's hilarious. Hilarious. Well, how's your family now? Did you did you come stateside for a while? I I, I thought I'd heard that you were at your dad's house or something like that. I yeah, we drove down you. there for about a week. And uh, did I talk about this in a recent show? I did. I, I don't know how I heard it. I think I heard it secondhand somewhere, I, but I didn't hear it on a show. I think I'm hit to talk about this in a show, but I didn't. I guess I could talk about it right now. Well, basically, we flew Space A. I mean, space available. If military aircraft huh? fly somewhere and they have seats for passengers, you can possibly make it on. And we did that. You actually, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Were you actually in seats, or were you uh, in the web gear on the side of a C-130 or a well, uh, they, C-7 or something like they that? Make you, they make you lay down, and they throw cargo straps over you, and sometimes they pal- <laughs> they palletize you. But uh, uh-huh. no, nice. it's, it's not that bad. But they, uh, we, which is bad if you're with somebody really uh, with somebody really sneaky. You know, yes, not with good. your wife. And- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're in trouble. No, we, we we flew out of here, and we were trying to get to Hawaii because a lot of times it's easy to get to California from Hawaii. But there was a flight yeah. to Alaska, and I was just going to get my son every year at this time. I or that time I go and get my my nine year old. Well, I guess not every year I get a nine year old. I guess his age fluctuates with the year. But uh, <laughs> I was going to go get him, and I had everything packed up. I went there and I was ready to get on a plane, and the flight was canceled. And I looked at the at the schedule and I saw the next flight had a large amount of passengers, and it was going to go all the way to somewhere. Uh, in Washington State, got a little bit east of Chicago or uh, Seattle, and I was thinking, man, I can take everybody. We can all get on this. I guarantee it because we're Category Two, which means we're pretty much guaranteed to get on. And I was like, we can all make it here, and then we'll just buy a plane ticket and go see the family because my family's never met Gunner, you know, my, my one-year-old. Uh, he's been okay. alive for over a year, and nobody mm-hmm. in my family's ever met him except for my son Gabe last year, and me and my wife. That was it. So uh, I was like, you know. This flight's going out. We can probably get on this. So I went home. I was like, hey, this thing's leaving in like nine hours. Mm-hmm. Pack up. We're all going. And uh, we all got we got ready. We got dressed. We got packed. We went up there. We sat around. They were calling out names. Our name got called. Like one of the last ones. We barely got on the flight. We flew a C-17 to Anchorage, Alaska. Landed there. That flight was supposed to take us to, to Washington State. And... The crew's like, all right, you guys are going to go hang out over here for a little bit, and then we'll call you guys when we're ready to come back on. So we go to the hangar or the, the terminal place, and they say, you're not going. They're not taking any Space A flyers. Basically, there was a communication error between the aircraft and the Air Force personnel that run the Space A counter, and the Air wow. Force personnel were trying to say that we're not taking any more in addition to what we just brought here. But uh-huh. they said they but they took it as these Space A flyers can't get back on. And uh, uh-huh. I really wanted to fly again with those guys because I was really enjoying it. There was this black ops helicopter sitting in the middle of the aircraft. Like, I could rest my feet on it. And uh, it was taking up every bit of space in the C-17, a huge helicopter, in the middle of the airplane that I was flying on. I guess if the airplane was going down, we could just jump in the helicopter. It would be good. 
There you go. But, uh, James Bond. Yep. Take it out the back. Exactly. <laughs> Auto-rotate and crank it up. But the, uh, yeah, we, we ended up right there, and they're like, you know, you can't go. And we were starving. We had, haven't ate for 12 hours, and we, did, we, we didn't get chows for, uh, or food for the, uh, there's my marine lingo. We didn't get any food for the uh, C-17 flight. Gunner's starving. Gabe's starving. I'm starving. Andrea's starving. Or Gabe wasn't with us at the time. It was just me, Gunner, and Gabe, or Andrea at the time. And uh, we're hungry. Gunner's one years old. Really needs to eat. So uh, we go and get some stuff out of a snack machine. That's right there. Because they said, but we have a flight leaving in about eight minutes that's going to Vegas. And uh, mm. we, we hit the snack machines and bought some drinks, which they made us pour out and throw away because we couldn't take them back <sighs> to security. And then uh, we got on a flight to Vegas. This flight to Vegas was not a C-17. It was a C-130, which turned a short flight into a very long flight. And, uh, yeah, but I love C-130s. I hate to fly, but I always trust C-130s. I'm never even a bit worried in a C-130 because those things can lose three engines after takeoff. And a pilot's like, oh, we're good, dude, no problem. No big deal at all. Those things are so <laughs> reliable. I love a C-130. We were vibrating like crazy in the back. It's loud, but and Andrea didn't like it. She liked it the least in the 7C-17, and uh, Gunner didn't seem to care. He just slept no matter where he was at. It was all good. We landed in Vegas, and um, they said, we we're not sure what flight we have. We may have a flight coming out tonight, but you're going to check back with us in a little while. So I get on the Internet through somebody's phone who they have cooked up to somebody else's computer that's also flying Space A, and we find tickets that cost uh, $200 to fly us to uh, Charlotte. North Carolina, which is an hour from where I live. So I was like, all right, we're buying these. So I pay 60 bucks for a cab ride to get us to the airport. Vegas airport on Thursday afternoon when you're leaving is a huge problem because everybody yeah. is getting there, and they're all trying to get a cab. All right, wow. so I get to the counter, and they say, oh, those tickets just went up there $1,000 a piece now. So oh. You know what? I am not paying. I can't do that. I don't have that kind of money, so this isn't going to work. I call the guys at the hangar. I said, hey, you got a flight going out? He's like, yeah, it's going to Charleston. I said, Charleston, that's perfect. It's like the second closest base to my house. And uh, <laughs> I'll be there in a minute. He's like, oh, roll call is in 10 minutes. I was like, I'm, I'm on the way right now. We go think we're going to get in a cab where they're dropping people off. No, you got to go over here to get in the cab. So we go over here, wherever here is, to get in the cab, three through five buildings. And uh, we went in a line for two hours oh, crap. To, to get in a cab. Because it was just the most incredible, inefficient line I've ever been in in my entire life. And yeah. uh, I'm calling these guys on my Japanese phone, which is running my bill up ridiculously the whole time, saying, look, I'm on the way. I'm almost there. So this uh, Arabic guy, Arabic guy, my wife always says that, and I always make fun of her saying Arabic. Arabic's a language. But, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a guy of Arab descent. Um, oh, yes. He, yes. He was uh, the cab driver. And I'm like, hey, we're going to this base. Can you get us here? It takes 45 minutes to get there. You get me there in 15 minutes, I'll give you like a crazy tip, buddy. He's, he acted like he was pissed off at me about that. I was like, you know, whatever. I'll just keep my eye on him. If i got to stab him, I'll stab him, even though I don't have anything to stab him with because knife's in my check baggage, which is in the trunk. But, but you, the, uh, you've, got the, you, you've got the Spock uh, squeeze on the shoulder. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I'll kill you with my thumb thing. Yeah, that all Marines know, supposedly. Yeah, I got that. Exactly. You know, we we drive to the base, and he's all mad. I was like, I said, hey man, just you got to drive us to the terminal. You can't just drop us off here because you because he can't go on the, on the base without getting searched and other stuff. And he's like, okay, I'll drive you to the terminal. Fine, but like, basically, uh, it's going to cost or whatever. He just kind of motioned for me. I said, like, you know, whatever. I'll give you some extra cash. And uh, he goes through the gate. They search his car. We get out of the car. They don't find anything. He's like, okay, now you got to go across to the pass and ID place, and you get a, a vehicle pass. 
Well, they took my ID and his ID. This takes at least 30 minutes, and I'm calling the from, the from the courtesy phone they have right there. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm right here on base. They, they were doing the search and stuff, and the guys at the counter are saying, yeah. sorry, folks, we had a slight interruption there. Uh, I was at the tax at the passing ID place. Yeah, so I called them, and I was saying, hey, I'm waiting to get on the base. They won't let us on right now. They're still searching or whatever they're doing. And uh, after about 20 minutes, well, the guy at the, at the Space A place was saying, look, these guys are flying out. They're reservists. They're going to get back to Charleston. they got to work in the morning. They're leaving, like, in the next few minutes. So wow. when I got I was like, just please tell them to hold on or whatever you can do, whatever. And uh, so as soon as I hung up the phone, the guy behind the counter, this old guy, security guy, civilian, but, you know, like rent-a-cop kind of guy, and um, wow. he says, sir, here's your ID back. Your driver's not going to be going on base tonight. And as soon as he said that, he stood up and looked scared to death and put his hand on his pistol and told that guy, the, my cab driver, sir, please have a seat right now. And the guy's like, what's going on? He's like, uh, I said, just have a seat right now. I started giving him a command and stuff. And uh, basically, sirens were going. Everybody was driving up, going crazy, coming in, back, swarming this place. So I walked out, got on my phone call the guys like hey my cab driver is getting arrested right now uh <laughs> and can you please just please send a truck he's like they're they're loading the other aircraft up or whatever he's, i don't have anybody he's like hold on a second he's like all right so and so's coming to get you and we weren't on the manifest for this flight or anything they came out there uh -huh. we threw our stuff in the truck the guy his boss called him and i said hey let me talk to him and i said i'll give you my information over the phone so i gave him my information social security numbers and everything over the phone so they could put us on the manifest and they drove us straight out to the flight line, not to where you load the aircraft or the aircraft refuels, but to where you take off from. And oh, drove really? us straight out there. The crew is outside waiting for us to pull up. They unload the back of the truck. Uh, uh -huh. Everybody's talking about my cab driver getting arrested with a MAV warrant, whatever that is, in whatever in <laughs> in Vegas. But uh, I'm thinking I put away a terrorist. I'm like, you know what? I came to Vegas. I got a tango locked up. It's a good day, you know. <laughs> But so I, we pull up there and they all unload the truck real quick, and I when I I didn't I didn't even know we were going to be able to get on the flight. I thought the flight was going to leave. So I used my expensive phone call again to call my parents, and my mom answers the phone in the middle of the night, and I say, "Mom, you and Dad need to go to Charleston Air Force Base. Be there in four hours, or I said be there in five hours, and we'll be flying in." And I said, "Can you do you know what I just said?" You know, sometimes she forgets a lot of things, and it was in the middle of the night too. You know, she had uh, oh, yeah. some medical stuff, and uh, so I was afraid that she wouldn't catch it. She's like, "Yeah, Charleston Air Force Base, five four hours. We're there." You know, and I was like, "Got it, cool." I had this conversation for about twelve seconds, and then I hung up. And uh, I was walking to the airplane. And I got up the aircraft, sat down, strapped Gunner's car seat into the seat. I sat down and buckled in, and I swear, as soon as my seatbelt buckled. And Andrea's seatbelt was buckled. Uh, the door was coming up as we were picking up speed at an alarming rate, and we were in the air. And ev everybody was cheering. Like, all the other Space A flyers that knew they were waiting on us was all cheering. And the crew yeah. was like, yeah, no problem, man. We know we, we needed to get back, but we heard what happened. So, you know, we, we said we'll wait for you. No big deal. You know, that's good. I, I'm glad to hear that they take care. Man, it, it was, dude, it was so amazing. Like, that. A lot of places you go to with Space A, they're, they're kind of not the nicest people because they deal with so many people who think they're somehow should definitely fly on an aircraft or whatever. But uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Entitled. Yeah, exactly. And 
they, these guys were just like above and beyond getting us out there. And then the crew of that aircraft waiting for us, you know, basically, That's cool. I don't know how we'd have got back. We wouldn't have the money. We'd have to call family to somehow wire us money and all kind of stuff to get us home. <laughs> and, uh, it would yeah. have made the stay a lot more harder and everything else. It's been a lot worse. But those guys basically, you know, enabled us to get my whole family, a large amount of people to meet Gunner and stuff. And it we thought it was the greatest thing ever, man. It was, it was happy, awesome. Happy ending. Yeah, kudos. Yeah, uh, shout out to the crew that got you there, man. That's that's awesome. Yep. Hopefully the trip back was uh, less eventful. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. Did you get a, a, a ribbon or anything for the panel? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't even tell I mean, anybody about duty, it. Yeah, you know what? I've, I've, see, I've seen some that. Navy achievement medals, Navy Marine Corps achievement medals given out for less. You know, it's... Oh, uh, really? Yeah. It's... Uh, <laughs> I've seen some Army Achievement Medals given out for much less, too. It's, uh, I thought gotcha. about calling the cab company and threatening a suit unless they settled out of court for, like, $10,000. Because <laughs> they put go. me in danger by having this crazy tango driving my family around or something. You know, but it's like, yeah, you know what, whatever. I'll just be happy to, to live with taking a bad guy off the street, doing my civic duty. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, speaking of the Space A, I, I, was, I'm, I was looking at your pictures, too. There's a... A picture of a, uh, I guess, it looks like a C7, the inside of it, what a, an actual can of whoop ass looks like. And that's on your Facebook page. I think that's a C130. I really don't know, but yeah, that's. Is that on I didn't take that picture, but, uh. uh no, not. it's, it, it's, it's one of the de- demotivational type. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Pictures with a little, uh, little thing. So yeah, everybody check out, uh, uh, I guess Flash Mob, uh. Oh, here we go. Daniel Shaw's Facebook page and uh, gunfightercast.com. Give him some hits. Take a look at it. I know he's got some great stuff on here. Uh, great story, though, Daniel. Absolutely. Well, what are you going to do in guns this week? Uh, well, a few minutes ago, I started on trying to make uh, magazine pouches for M9 magazines. Nice. And, uh, I'll probably continue to work on that. I want a three-magazine or four-magazine uh, I could go two and two, but I want to be able to hold at least four magazines on my pistol rig that I use, you know, for like deployments or whatever. But I also gotcha. want a, uh, a probably a two magazine magazine pouch that I can put on a belt that I'll probably use at Mag Forty. Cool. I think you're uh, going to win that five dollars from the side, aren't you? I, I told Gail last time we did the barstool discussion, and she was on there. I so said, "You better tell Mass." That I only accept crisp five dollar bills. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd be happy with a quarter if I get a quarter. What do you What do you have to do to get a quarter from me? And can Can you sign a quarter? I don't know. You could ask him. Maybe he could engrave it if you got a Dremel tool. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Right on. Well, uh, you need to be thinking about next year. What we can do for next year? Uh, I know you you'd mentioned a little bit of that uh, last week, and we're we're excited to have you out here, Daniel. It's uh, you know, it, it's just something stupid, but it's just something that we came up with, and uh, uh, I'm excited that you're. It'll be nice to have you out here. It'll be fun. Man, I can't even tell you how excited I am. One, I can't wait to meet you guys and hang out with the gun dudes and uh, Mass and and Gil and you know his team and Eric coming up and everybody. Yep. It's uh, you know, people that basically all you guys. We're we're all friends, you know. We we talk, we we joke on each other, either on the air or directly to each other in conversations like this one, uh, that's usually not recorded, or just through emails. 
But uh, it's like I, I feel like I've became close with all these guys, and, and you know, from from Mass and Gale to Eric and you guys, I've never actually even met any of you. Yeah, it's going to be an opportunity for us all to finally meet. You know, so it's uh, I'm really excited about it, and not to mention I get to shoot some guns. I'm really excited about playing with my new pistol. I cannot wait to see it after Joe finishes with it. It's uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm excited about a lot of things that has to do with Mag Four. Sounds like sounds like it'll be a real shooter too. One we'll get you up to. I've also yes, never been to the most free state in the United States either, which I think right now is Utah. Yeah, well, it's a desert. We're the second driest state in the Union, second only to Nevada. But uh, there's some pretty places. Uh, yeah, it's it's got its ups and downs, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we call it home. It works. Um, okay. we'll, we'll get you up to, uh, to uh, Desert Tactical for sure. Uh, if it takes, you know, you know, some kind of special arrangements, we'll definitely get you out to shoot one of those. I'm yep. sure Mac, Mike will feel the same way when you talk with him. That's my goal. Um, I would love to go to Desert Tactical, like we were talking a little bit ago, uh, our little break when Joe called. I, I really want to meet Joseph Chetwood and uh, and George Hill from the Crusader. Yep, yeah. I'd love to hook up with those guys. Uh, I was talking to Jason kind of through a Facebook post. He said somebody sends him a TLR one, he'll send him a holster, and he had already offered a while back to make me a free holster, you know, to try out or whatever. But I've got a TLR one that I haven't used in about two years, so I'm going to hook him up and send him a TLR one, and uh, ask if he can make me an outside the waistband holster for Mag Forty. Uh, mm-hmm. But what's going to happen is whenever Joseph is done with my pistol and it goes to you, Stan, mm-hmm. if you can run it over to Jason. And let him make me a super duper awesome holster for it, <laughs> and then get it back. That'd be great. I'll only I'll only want a super duper awesome holster. I don't I don't want super. Let me, let me write, write, that write that down. Write that down. Right next to Jason. Okay. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Yep. Well, uh, uh, I can't think of anything else that uh, that we need to talk about except for what we we, we talked about before and. Uh, I guess uh, and I'll talk with Carl. We'll get some, some of those arrangements done, but we need to get that out to you as soon as possible. Think. Yep. Stan, uh, did you see down. that? Did you see that post? Off topic there. Did you see that post that I put on a Gun Dude's uh, Facebook page about the car that was for sale? No, no. Uh-uh. It was what on, is on it? the local Okinawa yard sale site here. Uh, there was a Toyota Serica. Uh-huh. It, it wasn't a Celica. It was a Serica, and, and that's how they spelled it in the title. And then all the, all the writing in there, I linked it, and then all the writing in there, we could obviously tell it was uh, a, Jap- a native Japanese speaker. And uh, I, I thought about you, and I read it, Toyota Serica, like Stan. Serica. It was awesome. And I, I wanted I wanted you to read that on Gun Dudes. I wanted you to uh, to read that cell, the whole thing, like Toyota Serica. Uh, how, how long did you post it was last week sometime. Oh, last week? I'll, I'll go look at it. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, will do. Uh, well, should we, should, should we wrap this up? And, yeah, uh, give let's you do a... it. Can you, can you take us out of here, in, uh, since I'm broadcasting from Japan here, in your little Japanese voice and say something funny and then uh, Gunfighter cast out? Could you do that? <laughs> I know I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, all right, let's see. Uh, oh, uh, this is a... Stan and uh, Daniel Shaw, broadcasting from Okinawa, Japan. <laughs> uh, 
Gundude's uh, remote rotation. I'm fighter cast out. <laughs> Go for the cast out. 